If the Bible's got you tied in knots, if you're burdened with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's Heretic Happy Hour. Well, 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 you're listening to the sweet sounds of Bear Johnson singing Heretic Happy Hour theme song. I'm your host, Keith Giles. Welcome to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. And uh, just to warn you, we are doing a series on sex. So you might want to ask the kitties to leave the room. Bye-bye. And um, I am joined by my co-hosts, Jamal and Matt. Guys, introduce yourselves. Hi, friends. My name is Jamal. I am the author of Free to Love and the soon upcoming uh, book to be released called Living for a Living. It's a pleasure to be back on the Heretic Happy Hour with you guys. And I'm Matt Stefano, author of four books. Last, uh, the last book I had was called Heretic, and it describes what I am at heart. And uh, so happy to be here on yet another episode of the Heretic Happy Hour. And uh, this episode is brought to you by our friends at the Hope Center, uh, a community resource center serving one of Alabama's poorest communities by providing a neighborhood market where neighbors can shop for food at no cost in an atmosphere of love and respect. Visit their website at servealabama.org for more information. So good. And I have an announcement, guys. Is that okay? Can I? Oh, bring it up. Of course you do. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> announcement. We actually have a Patreon page. And so if you go to patreon.com forward slash heretic happy hour, we have a page and there. There are people who have supported us, who have in their, given their, of their generosity to the show, and I just want to shout, shout them out to the world. I um, want to give a special thanks to Holly Chafee, Kelly Arsenault, Jam- Jameson Noenik, Noenik, I think. Um, yeah, that, Pam, that's a tough one. Yep. Pam Rudin, Rudkin, Jared White. Um, guys, thank you so much. It means a ton that you yes. have uh, jumped on board, uh, you know, uh, our team there at Patreon. So really, really, really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, and why I'm at it, why I'm at it, <clears throat> would it be okay if I um, have a, had a second announcement? You know what? Yes, finally. You've earned the it. Unveiling. Yes, you've earned it. Go for it. Awesome. Okay, here's my second announcement. And the second announcement is actually a repeat of an earlier announcement. Uh, I think last week we uh, talked about that we have a hotline. And so I just want to repeat that in case anybody didn't listen to last week's episode. That we have a hotline, and I have the number here, um, and this is for anybody, anybody on the planet can call this number. Day or night. For, yeah, day or night, because you know we have a technology for that. Uh, 240-343-7379. That is the number. 240-343-7379. You can call, text, and actually, I do believe that we have a voicemail. Can we cue that up? Yeah, Craig from Ohio. I tried listening to your podcast. I shut it off eight minutes in because all I had heard in eight minutes is advertisements for donuts and T-shirts and other services. And, oh, I might as well just go watch television. Um, first of all, I'm so blown away right now. That, that's my friend uh, Craig from Ohio. We go back years. I'm so excited. I had no idea he was listening to the Heretic Happy Hour. Thank you, Craig, for uh, <laughs> listening. And uh, sorry that you shut it off. Uh, <laughs> but I hope you okay. go go get some of those sidecar donuts because they're really yummy. Uh, yes. Well, he lives in Ohio, so he's a Buckeye. So you know, we have other things out there. But can he, I, but man? Yeah. Can I res- yeah. can I respond? Can I just jump in real quick? Okay. So please. 
Thanks, Craig, for reminding me. I almost forgot that we have a store and we have shit for sale. And if you want to buy it, go buy it. If you don't, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, caller. Thank you. Thank you, caller. Appreciate that. Craig, thank you. Thank you. Um, We have another, I believe we have another voicemail. Can we cue that up? Hey, guys. um, I'm finally calling in on the hotline. My name is Sam Hill. Um, I've been following you guys for a little while now. Deactivated my Facebook because it's driving me crazy, but a topic I would be interested in you guys getting into is mental illness in Christianity. Um, I come from a United Pentecostal background, um, going through a deconstruction journey, and also I've recently self-diagnosed myself with borderline personality disorder, and it's very bittersweet. Um, I struggle with a lot of black and whites, no areas gray or in between um so not only am i on this journey of my mental health and what's going on with me there but also deconstructing my beliefs in the bible and god and trying to find those in between areas for even those two things god and myself um coming from a legalistic background you know you hear it's either or mental health or spirituality you know um you get um stigmatized or you get judged within the christian world for choosing help outside of christianity um with more psychiatric treatment or medicine i could ramble on i'm very good at that but anyway again my name is samantha hill and that is kind of a topic i'm interested in delving into um probably for my own benefit if i'm being honest but hey it's good to be honest. That's one thing I'm learning to do is embrace myself. All right. I appreciate you guys. You guys are really helping me open up, um, humbling me, um, helping me with my biases. And I really just appreciate you guys. Keep up the good work. God bless. Bye. Oh, thank you so much, Sam. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what, I, and you're not, you're not the first person who has suggested uh, that we at least do uh, a couple of episodes. I don't know about a series, but it, I think it would be really good for us to do a, an episode or at least a couple episodes on mental illness um, and the church, because I think the church has a really horrible track record for uh, responding to people who have mental illnesses. And uh, it's, uh, and I think it's very, it's, it's as bad as, as it is with any other marginalized group, pretty much Uh, Christians are pretty much treat people horribly who aren't um, quote unquote, you know, perfect and have it all together, or at least are good at pretending that they have it all together. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. I think it would be wonderful to do an episode on that topic. Yeah. And I'll just say that if, if you are, um, to the, to the listener who did call and for anyone who has, I mean, I think I'm, I'm of the belief that everyone should see a psychologist or a therapist. Um, and so if, if you think you do have some of these issues, it's totally cool. Like find a good psychologist or psychiatrist. Um, I, I think medications have their place, but I, I, I would say that we probably over-medicate, in, in, at least in the United States, but at least have someone to talk to and seek a professional. And I'm not talking about Christian counseling, quote unquote. I'm talking about find a licensed, like if, you, if you're struggling with these things, if you're struggling with mental health issues in any form, depression, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, anything of that nature, like find a good um, therapist, uh, get some professional help who's board certified, all that stuff. And, um, 
Yeah, the, yeah, and, and yeah, I think we should do a, um, an episode on this because I think we need to remove the stigmatization that goes along with with mental health, as if as if it's some sort of weakness, as opposed to if you get some sort of physical problem like cancer or heart disease. Like we we need to treat these things without a stigma, and 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 if you are struggling, I've had depression and and anxiety disorder for as long as I can remember, at least my teenage years, and. There's no shame in, in seeing a therapist or, or, or a psychologist or something like that. So, yeah, if you're struggling with that, yeah, go talk to someone, get some professional help. That's That would be my advice. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, can I just say also real quick, because I know I have some good friends who are licensed uh, counselors and they are Christians. In fact, I know for sure one of them listens to the to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast uh, pretty pretty regularly. Um, and, and, and I've used... Um, people who are uh, counselors and who are Christian. So I understand what you're saying, Matt, and I agree if, if it's a, if it's a counselor, quote unquote, Christian counselor, who's basically like pastor Bob at your church kind of a thing, that's, right, right. that's probably not a good thing. But if this is someone who, who they do have a license, they are, yeah, board you know, they, they have the credentials. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. And, and they happen to be a Christian well, as long as they are first a counselor and second a Christian, then right. I think that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but if they are first a Christian and second, sort of a quasi counselor, yeah, yeah, you're probably better off going somewhere else. I have a thought. I mean, a couple of thoughts for mental illness. First of all, I mean, I, I, mental illness is anything diff- is not anything again. What you guys were saying, anything different than physical Ill- illnesses, or you know, any. So, so we are. I believe that we're physical beings. Mental, be- you know, we have mental co- component to our being. We have spiritual you know, spiritual component to our being. So all three are vital. And, you know, I would encourage people to become their, um, their own physician. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I would not, I don't put a huge premium on whether somebody's licensed or not. I would say people should take this into their own hands. That doesn't mean you don't get counsel or advice or go for therapy or whatever, but, um, I, you know, for me personally, like I do, you know, my, what I do for a living is coaching. I have clients I work with in personal coaching and we deal, we get into a lot of that stuff. So one of the things that, um, that can be really helpful is becoming just, just becoming conscious of the things that we have control over. Um, not seeing, you know, obviously beginning to accept the things that, you know, that are afflicting us, understanding them, becoming conscious of what the roots of those things are is really huge. Um, Christianity by and large causes mental illness. Um, and, and when I, I say that, because a lot of the teachings and doctrines actually assault um, some fundamental needs that we have as human beings. I believe I come from a perspective that all human beings have the same essential needs. And when there's an assault in one of these areas, either through things that we experienced in our developmental years or uh, things that have afflicted us or things, you know, that, that we needed that we didn't receive. Um, and then that would also include teachings about how we perceive ourselves, teachings that are, you know, that, that we, how we perceive God, these affect us at very core levels. And so I would encourage people not to see a Christian anything. I know that can be very biased. I think there's some great Christians out there, but it's again, it's in some of my best friends are Christians actually. Mine too. But I, I, I but, but not because we're Christian. I mean, I would say that, you know, a lot of people who are quote unquote Christian um, are coming from a, a place that 
really takes you out of line of who Jesus is because Jesus, I'm very convinced that anything with the label Christian in these days and this by and large in, 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 in the modern times of what people identify as Christian really take, takes you away from the es- es- ethos and the essence and the message of Jesus, which I don't believe there's anything Christian about Jesus or anything Christian about his message. And I could go on and on about that. But again, uh, because, we, we yes. know. So anyway, mental health <laughs> is really important. I would encourage you to, to, yeah. to take charge yes. of that, to start, you know, seeking out, you know, help. Um, just like you would, I, I would never encourage people if they were sick physically to go to a doctor unless it's an emergency situation. If you, if you really right, are sick, right. I would encourage people. Wait a minute. What? Wait a second. Hold no. on. I got, okay. I got to dis- Don't I gotta go disagree. to a doctor. I, I, I don't, let's just say that uh, the opinions <laughs> expressed by some uh, of the hosts on the RT Cappy Hour do not reflect the opinions of all the other hosts yeah. on the RT Cappy well, Hour. Let me, let me, <laughs> yeah. And, and if you want to let me finish, I'll clarify that statement. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I don't, I don't, for anybody, if anybody who has an, a medical emergency, definitely go to the hospital. Definitely Call 911 right away. But if you, if you want, if you want to get in charge of your health, do not see a quote unquote typical physician because they're, they just prescribe medication. Okay. So I would encourage you to see somebody who's into holistic medicine that will help you get, take charge of your entire health, which is really a lot about what you do to get healthy, which is talking supplements, learning how to get a hold of your mental health, how to change your thinking patterns, all of those kinds of things, things that a doctor, a licensed doctor would not help you do. Yeah. So, well, okay. Yeah. Some, some won't. I, I, I know some doctors who would. Most won't. Okay. That, that, that might be true. Anyway. Oh, no. We have a text, don't we? Should I, should I read the text? Quote, I haven't listened to the newest episode on porn yet, but I'm selling my old Samsung smart TV. So if you or your listeners want to watch some high def streaming fuck flicks, I'll get it to you on the cheap. End quote. <laughs> Do we wait? Do we have a name on on this person who is selling this TV so you can watch your fuck like? Okay. <laughs> so we so we have an anonymous anonymous text from someone selling a high def t- TV. Uh, sweet. How are we gonna buy it? If you want to buy that TV, you can watch porn on it. I guess so. That's in reference to our last episode. So go check that out. And yeah. to piggyback off that, like I said before, that I wanted to piss off our first caller even more by telling everyone about a couple of our new services. So for our Patreon supporters, if you're on two, tier two or three, you get a monthly webinar. And we already did our first one last month and we got some amazing reviews from that. It was super fun. I don't know about you guys, but I had a blast doing that. And essentially what we're doing is for our Patreon supporters, we're doing a Zoom webinar and people can ask questions. We can dialogue back and forth. And the first one was super fun. So we're doing another one for our tier two and tier three supporters on Patreon. And the next one's going to be February 10th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So it's perfect first service or second service church time on a Sunday. So we got that coming up in February. And also, in addition to that, if you go to our store, which is heretichappyhour.com slash store, we have an, another new service, which we've mentioned before, but we're doing private sessions with folks. And so if you go to our store and sign up for that, you answer a little uh, little thing that you fill out a couple questions, you fill out the time, we will correspond with you and you'll be able to ask us any questions you want, you personal private sessions with all three of us. And um, 
it's, it's basically your call. Whatever you need help deconstructing, whatever questions you have, uh, we'll just dialogue for an hour or so and uh, make ourselves available for you guys if, if you want to discuss this whole business of deconstruction and and spiritual and theological searching um it's we've done we've done one already and it's it was super awesome yeah it was yeah it was 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 super good so uh we just want to make ourselves available for people who want to do that so that's available at our store and one last announcement we have a live show coming up and it's going to be i'm so excited for this it's going to be on february 23rd from 6 to 9 p.m at Sidecar Donut Workspace in Costa Mesa. And uh, honestly, like, okay, so I have an announcement. My buddy, my best friend, Mike Machuga, is coming down with me. He's flying on the same flight from uh, from Chico, California, down to Orange County, and he's going to be our heretic of the week. And I co-authored a book with this dude, and uh, he's he's brilliant. He's amazing. He's like, honestly, without him, I wouldn't be, I might not be doing any of this stuff because he's been such a, uh, such a, you know, like Frodo and Sam, I'm not sure who's which, but like we're pretty much attached to the hip for the last five years. And uh, I'm super excited to be talking to him and doing this live show, which is our first, our, our first fifth live show ever. Yes, our first fifth live our, show. And it's going to yeah. be awesome. It's going to be so awesome. Yeah. We're still talking about sex, right? I don't, I don't know I, exactly what we'll be talking yeah, about. I think we'll still be in our sex series. That sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. So that's all the announcements. So after all that said, now the person who called on the Heretic Happy Hour can be relieved and he can start listening to the show. We're going to get on to our Heretic of the Week. It's the Heretic of the Week. Hi, my name is Taylor Polendo and I am a heretic. Hi, Hi, Taylor. Hello, hello. (laughs) (laughs) That was very drawn out. Nice. Boy. Wow. Well, this is uh, this is exciting to be talking to you on the podcast. We're used to talking to you, you know, many other ways, but it's great to have you as our heretic of the week. And so, Taylor Palendo, uh, welcome. And please let us know why it is that some people think you are a heretic. Uh, probably the most obvious answer is because we publish Keith Jamal and Matt's books. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, very obvious. Well, for me, I think from what I've studied and what I believe is we've been put here on earth to have relationship and our greatest commandment is to love. And until we can do that perfectly, I just don't really give a shit about the rest. Mm -hmm. So no offense. I know you guys spend a lot of time delving into the nuances of theology and religion and history, et cetera. But I think I don't care if there's a rapture. I don't care if there's a hell. I don't care if you're gay, straight, or whatever you believe, because until we can love perfectly, nothing else matters. And if anything inhibits you from loving, you could just go ahead and throw that out, I think, because why keep it if it stops you from fulfilling your great purpose? Mm. Yeah. It's like like we're being set free to love, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, it's almost like like Jesus is being untangled from, you know, all these other religious things. Yeah. Yeah. And there was some blood in there. You know, Jesus, I I was thinking of a pun, (laughs) but I couldn't come up with one. It's almost like we're all, we're all set free. Yeah. Yeah. You heretics. So can you talk a little bit? I think this is a little self-serving, but what the heck you're here. Why don't, why don't we talk about this? Um, 
you you are the other side of you know it's you and Ralph really together uh, run Choir Publishing, and mm-hmm. um, Ralph you know people talk about Ralph all the time. We mention Ralph all the time, um, but you're sort of the silent partner. But I I'm guessing you're probably not that silent. You probably have a lot to say about what gets published and decisions that are made and and the kinds of books you publish and things like that. So can you talk a little bit about um, the publishing and, and, and choir itself and what the vision is and all that? Absolutely. Uh, so he's really the talent. I got to say he, as you guys have seen, he puts up the, the covers and the editing, the, the art behind it, this podcast. He's really such a talented human, uh, but he's just so inclusive and he had a passion and he wanted it to be fully the two of us together. So I read some of the manuscripts. I got to pick our first novel, our first book that we published um, by Galen Sword. Such a great book. Um, my husband doesn't read fiction. He's like, the first book proposal we have is fiction. I don't read fiction. Can you check this out? So I don't know why, but he just keeps asking my opinion on manuscripts or direction that we're going. <laughs> I get to dabble in in some of the events and social media aspect. Uh, not my forte per se, but it has been very fun over these last few years to get to partner with my husband mm-hmm. in an aspect outside of day-to-day life. Although I did really question Jamal's book, I'll be honest. <laughs> and Ralph, what? Ralph was, what? we were on, we we're on a, we couldn't quite agree. And he's like, well, I'm asking you just trust me on this one. And I, I put my trust in him on it. Oh. Putting Jamal on oh, blast. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Jamal, I love you. Yeah. And I love your book. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I love you too, Jamal. <laughs> I love you guys too. And, and I love myself. <laughs> that's good. I think that's really the problem with Christianity is that people haven't really fully learned to receive the love of Jesus. So when they try to like share love, they, I'm like, you don't have love to give because you haven't really mm. received it. Yeah. Good. No, that's, yeah. And you know what? That is so true. I, um, I, 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 Realized that probably like three or four years ago that I myself was struggling with that. And mm. um, someone, I was talking to a friend of mine and he was talking about how their house church, sorry, it is house church again. Uh, he's talking about his house church group. And he said, um, they were learning how to love God and love others. And I'm like, I'm nodding my head. Yeah. And then he goes, and we're learning how to let God love us and, ha- and how to let others love us. Mm. And it was like such an honest, natural closing of that circle that I was like, how come I never thought about that before? Like, you know, loving God and loving others only works if first you know how to receive God's love. And and that's really hard for most people. Totally. And, and even, and even maybe harder than that is to let other people love you because that means you have to be vulnerable. That means you have to open yourself up for the possibility that they could, because if they're going to love you, they could also hurt you. Um, Absolutely. And, but it's so key. I mean, until we can learn how to receive love from one another and how to receive love from God, then we really can't do anything. But also that vulnerability, I think speaks to our culture. Like we are a culture of independence being completely autonomous. We don't want to rely on anyone. Uh, So it makes it very difficult and why Jesus is so really outrageous Mm -hmm. in what he's giving because he's saying you have it all because he, he, he made us completely perfect. He, we're not lacking anything because of him. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. In a world of lack, in a world of of we need we need this, we need that. But when Jesus really says that, I mean, 
heresy. Mm. Come on. <laughs> we don't need anything. Like that's that's just so countercultural. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Taylor, it's uh really good to have you on the podcast. This is Jamal, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, Jamal. I, I recognize you quite well. <laughs> that's cool. Hey, I have a question for you. Um, and this is, you know, obviously I, I can't you know, speaking of receiving, when you're talking about receiving love, you grew up in a, you know, I, I mean, I, I would imagine you grew up in a, in a, a fairly traditional Christian upbringing, you know, evangelical yeah. upbringing. And I know that that can be um, challenging when it comes to like, you know, overcoming perceptions and paradigms about what God is like. And I, I, I've, you know, obviously this was the point of my book was that God is best. Like we really receive love and experience love, not primarily how we relate to some, some spirit in the sky somewhere, but really how we relate to other human beings where God actually is manifested. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you are married to a legendary lover, Ralph. So Ralph is, uh, reading my diary. My goodness. Ralph is like, he tells us, Ralph is very legendary. He's so behind the scenes with so many different projects, but he's kind of like, kind of like the roots of the tree. You know what I mean? Like you see oh, the tree, yeah. but you don't really see the roots, but the roots make the tree, you know? And so being, but you have a, such a unique experience being a partner with a legendary lover. I'm just curious for you, like, what's it like? How have you learned? How have you, how has being married to Ralph helped you deconstruct your, your, I don't know, your Christianity, oh, your, how has it helped you receive? Maybe it's a better way. I'm trying to ask this question. Yeah. Wow. That's a great question. Uh, I think deconstructing for me started obviously before I was married, but I've always kind of had one foot in religion, one foot out. Uh, I was raised in a very small town in the local mountains in Southern California. I was homeschooled, but in our, in our community, there were mostly even more conservative people who, you know, couldn't listen to anything with a beat. It had to be classical music. Uh, The girls all wore long hair and long skirts. And we were the rebels because we were allowed to listen to Christian music. So watch out, MXPX and OC Supertone. So I was raised with this kind of rebel mentality of while we were very conservative to anyone else, uh, we still were always the black sheep of our community and always the outcast or heretics, always challenging what we were presented as normal. And my mom always instilled this understanding that, you know, with a small community, there's only so many churches and she had a problem with just about every one of them. So she just really instilled in our upbringing that it was all about a relationship with Christ and everything else was secondary. So my foundation was in Christ. And while I was subject to a lot of the traditional upbringings, I'd say something personal about me. I, I tend to want to just be open to all sides of an argument. I want to hear everything everyone has to say. So I don't have a problem with when I was growing up accepting what they were telling me. But then in my spirit, some of it really did not sit well. Hell just didn't sit well that it was my job to save my extended family. My grandparents were going to be going to hell because they didn't say a prayer or do some altar call. So through growing up, I was able to challenge it in my spirit. And then later in life, especially alongside my husband, we were able to put words to the feelings I'd always kind of had. So 
being raised by rebels kind of set my foundation of Christ. And then partnering with someone who is a huge researcher and just natural teacher, it's been fun to go down the rabbit hole. And with choir, that's you know what we're really doing. You can see where we start. Our books have gotten more and more controversial and progressive. And God, who knows where it will end. But it kind of shares the story of our deconstruction or our process. Um, the more and more we do this, uh, and he's helped me. I think in supporting my independence. I in college I learned about this word feminism, and it's always been kind of a dirty word. But he really has encouraged me to live what I say I believe mm-hmm. by encouraging me to be independent and uh, really think things through. I can tend to uh, want to just follow him because it's comfortable, but he's always trying to teach me to fish is what he says. You know, I'm asking him questions. He's like, well, I want you to be able to do this on your own. And I really, he's such a great teacher. So I think I tend to, you know, lean towards him. Mm-hmm. I want his opinion on things, but I think he really is a human who is humble and learns from his mistakes and is uh, really probably the best picture of Christ I could, I could see on earth. Wow. That's so yeah. beautiful. So I got to ask you something a little bit off topic here. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really loving the Ralph love here. This is awesome. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I wanted to ask you, could you tell me a little bit about side hugs? Oh, fuck those side hugs. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you know, what's wrong? What's so bad about side hugs? Tell me, tell me your beef okay. about side hugs. Well, one, I want to know the person doing the side hug. Do they think that women are not aware that they're doing the side hug? Like, do you think we're that stupid? And then also, do you think that I'm, I don't care about this at all? Can you tell? <laughs> do you think that? we don't feel like then shamed or judged for being completely who God made us to be. Like, I'm so sorry I have boobs and you don't want to touch them in an embrace, a loving embrace. Someone said, they're like, oh, I'll give you a side hug. I'm like, you know what? I don't want a hug from you. Do you ever think about that? I don't want you to touch me. If, if all you can do is sexualize me in a, in a loving embrace, if I'm just a sexual object to be consumed or to make you think dirty things, like do you have no control over your mind? Good Lord. I don't like them, Keith. I can tell. Well, now. And, um, <laughs> wow. Um, I honestly, I, I've never, I've never heard anybody. I mean, uh, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm guessing you're not the only woman who feels that way, but you're the only woman I've ever heard express it that way. So that's why I think it's so great to talk about this topic, because I think a lot of women probably think this to themselves and go like, oh, come on, really? Are you, you're giving me a side hug now? Um, yeah, the whole, pretty much anything about women and like how we're supposed to act or dress or do anything from how I was raised was that we should be shamed of like who we were made to be. Mm -hmm. You have to, you know, I can't even tell you the links we have to go to follow the dress codes, you know, measuring hem, your inseam, do the boob check, you bend over, bounce around, like don't make, don't cause anyone to stumble. Good Lord. Cause men apparently are very weak. How insulting also to you guys that you can't control how you think or feel or do or don't objectify someone. Like, are you really that weak? I, I don't, I think that's insulting to men. Yeah. I mean, I, I was about to ask you, um, so what do you think about sort of the, uh, the Billy Graham, Mike Pence rule uh, about a man should never, a married man should never be in, in a room alone with someone other than his wife. 
And if they are, then their doors should be open. Well, that's funny. I I don't subscribe to that rule. In fact, on Valentine's Day, my husband and I, we take out someone else on dates because I just felt when Valentine's came up as our first married couple uh, holiday, I was like, you know, I, I feel really loved and well taken care of by my husband. I don't need this day set aside for it. He does such a stupendous job. Let's take out someone, someone else. Let's love someone else. So we decided that I would take out one of our guy friends, single guy friend, and he would take out a single girlfriend. And we would just plan a special date for them because I just really didn't need that validation in my marriage. And so, yeah, I have no problem being friends with or being alone with or going anywhere really with the opposite sex. I would say we we put up some safeguards. I don't get drunk. That's kind of my my rule. I'm a flight attendant, so I'm often off on my own with a lot many different people. And yeah, we talk about things. There have been moments where one particular person may make us feel uncomfortable or that they don't really respect our marriage or or encourage um, good things in our marriage. And so we've said, you know, that that person doesn't really make me comfortable. And that relationship is certainly not at all worth any kind of strife in my own marriage. So, uh, so I think really the openness and honesty has to be at the forefront of any of that if you're going to be friends with other people. And you really have to listen and respect if your partner says that person makes me feel uncomfortable or I'm not okay with this. So yeah, I don't have a problem with male friendships or being alone in a room. Good Lord, I'm not some animal person that <laughs> I can't control myself. Like really the fear behind sexual sin is like we have no control over it. like how degrading to to our human mind and heart and spirit like that we cannot control or 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 respect a vow or oh Lord, there's a penis in the room. I guess I want to hop on it. <laughs> It's uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It is, it's degrading to both men and women. Um, Taylor, uh, Keith mentioned that, you know, you meant you you might've grown up in an evangelical church with this or evangelical background with this kind of, I would call it indoctrinated indoctrination that this is how we are supposed to Mm -hmm. think. And this is how this is the prop, the, the Pence rule or the Billy Graham rule is um, how we are supposed to do things to protect ourselves. Were there, um, were there any moments that stand out to you that led you out of this, that led you to question it and to push back against, um, I would call it bullshit. Maybe you'd call it something else, but it's, you know, (laughs) for a lot of people it is bullshit and uh, it doesn't sound like you would disagree. No, not at all. Uh, well, I think it started, as a young girl, you know, as kids, we are taught this word fair. And while I don't believe the world is fair, uh, I remember really questioning a lot of things in our home. So my dad, he would ask me to go make him tea, like all the time. We would all be watching the Lakers. And he'd ask me to make him a cup of tea. And I would look and I'd see my two older brothers. And I just could not understand why I was the one that was asked to do this task. And I even said it to him, like, why don't you ask them to do this? Like, why is it always me? So little things like that started to percolate or, or pique my attention. And uh, I, I wasn't even aware really how much of that is indoctrined or, or really in the church 
until I think in college, they had, uh, my brothers had a small group and they wanted to invite a woman to come talk at their small group, just that met in our house, like nothing official. And a lot of the men had issue with it, like that a woman couldn't teach or something. And I heard that. I didn't even know that that was what some people believe. And I heard it. I'm like, well, that's just bullshit. That's, I can't be possible. Who, who believes that? And, but also I remember as a kid, you know, in Sunday school, they kind of shame you or guilt you into, you need to save the world. Like this is your job as a Christian. But when someone told me about um, universal reconciliation, I'm like, oh yeah, I believe that. I believe that my whole life. I, I could never send my, my, got my grandparents to hell. Uh, I just didn't have a word for it at six or seven. Mm. So I'd say there, there are moments like that uh, coming out of it where in my spirit, I just knew I didn't believe what they were selling. Uh, someone told me about predestination and I, I almost laughed in their face like, have you met Jesus? Because I think when he said all, he meant all. I just really don't, I I couldn't, I thought it was the most absurd idea I've ever heard that if you really knew Jesus, then how could you believe these rumors about him? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I feel about Jesus is like, there's a, have you ever heard like rumors about this person? You're like, oh, kind of all negative. And then you meet them and you're like, oh, I actually like them. I, yeah. I think I want to be their friend. I feel like there's some bad rumors going about God or I'm like, I'm just choosing not to believe these rumors mm-hmm. anymore. I don't, I don't like what's being said about God. Cause I just, if you met him and you knew him, you would know that he doesn't want to torture his children. He doesn't want to do that. Like, come mm-hmm. on. I just think it's, it's sad to me that we have been so stuck in it for so long. And I know that people are having a hard time coming out of that. But it just, to my childlike mind, it just didn't make sense to me that if you knew God, that he would want to punish us and send us all to hell or that my body is inherently bad or can make someone sin. I really have a question with that. Like, do you guys think that you can make someone sin? Well, no, I, I, well, I, I I think you can deceive people in a certain way, but this notion that that somehow men are responsible for our minds and women are responsible for their minds and their bodies so that they protect men is utter, utterly preposterous. Yeah. I mean, so in that way, of course, you can't make someone sin. Like this this whole like victim shaming bullshit that, that women have to go through in the church and the culture at large is just... Um, I mean, we can just see the the negative psychology that it's created and just know that it's... We know that it's bullshit based on that fruit that it bears. And we, we have this whole like shame purity culture yeah. that that women especially have to go through. And we see the fruit of it and we say, well, that's just an easy sign that it's just like, that's wrong. It's wrong. It has to be. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So we agree on that. So we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not heretics. None of us are heretics. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, shame is so interesting. And but also women. See, my problem with the whole modesty thing is because I don't think you could cover up a woman and not make her desirable. So that's why I really just I don't I reject you calling me sinful or causing you to sin because really you could cover me head to toe and I still can move gracefully or I have a scent or I have a sound that my husband may find desirable. So I think it's how we think about women or our culture, how we've really shaped that we are objects that you can buy us. 
there's that quote, I don't know if you've heard it uh, by Violet Rose, where you can go into any 7-Eleven and buy a magazine with with boobs on it, but you can't walk around in the city topless. So you can buy breasts, but you can't wear breasts in America. Mm. And it's, you know, it's just kind of insulting that my breasts actually form a function. I don't know what your (laughs) nipples do, but why they're allowed (laughs) to be out and mine aren't. Not much, you know, as I speak from a breastfeeding mother, but I really don't understand why I can't have mine out. It's illegal, apparently. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, and of course there is all that controversy too about, and you've probably seen like the videos of, you know, if if a woman is breastfeeding, people in the mall will get angry and offended. Yeah. But if a girl is like wearing a really tight dress and her boobs are half falling out, then the same people walk by and be like, Hey, how you doing? And talk to them and everything's great. It's like, well, why are you offended by this one, you know, when it's actually functional, it's yeah, actually feeding functional. another human being, it's feeding another human being and keeping a baby alive. And then, and it's this beautiful connection between a mother and a child. And it's like, anyway, this right. we're a double standard. So. Total double standard. Sorry, Jamal. No worries. No worries. I actually have a, here's an observation, but I want to get your opinion on it, Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. My, here's, a, here's where I come from when it comes to modesty. Um, it's, I just find it fascinating that in the conversation about modesty, it's always applied. And again, we've talked about this, but it is always directed at one gender. It's always directed mm-hmm. at, the, at, at, the, at the female gender, like that the, somehow they females are responsible for upholding the standard of modesty in the world. But really what ends up happening, and you know, my background, you know, I grew up, my dad comes from a Muslim background. So modesty is very big in the Islamic world. But in, in the Islamic world, women just cover up. Like they just, they just yeah. disappear behind fabric. You don't even see them. So I want my theory on this. Here's the theory. And I don't think it's conscious on behalf of individual males, but I think there's a collective consciousness of, of toxic masculinity in the world that has been around for probably since, you know, ancient times, but it's this, it, it because of the, the unrestrained toxic masculinity, I really believe that the goal of that unconsciously is to silence or, or cover up the feminine expression. And you guys have heard me talk about Mary Magdalene. That's why I think it, like, it's very <laughs> just, important. Just a couple, just just a couple times. Okay. <laughs> that she represents or e- expresses the feminine, the, d- the divine feminine expression uh, when it, in relation to the Christ being revealed. But uh, my theory is that the reason that modesty religion is so big on covering women, whether it's Islam or Christianity is because they're, mm-hmm. they're ignorant of this real tension between the genders, the masculine and the feminine. And at the, in, in an incorrect, obviously part of this, the problem we have is that m- the masculine energy is trying to suppress or cover up the feminine in the world. And that's, and of course, modesty is just an excuse for that in an unconscious way. What do you, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, what bugs me is, is our language really behind. And I think that shapes our culture and shapes our media and really shapes our worldview then in how we perceive what one is good and one is bad. Um, so when you're masculine, it's like a good thing, like, Oh, uh, he's strong and he takes care of you or, or whatever you fill in with masculine. And then feminine tends to be weak or, or just everything about being a little girl is like, don't cry like a girl. It's always yeah. kind of just said in a negative thing. And I, yeah. so I think the church falls 
into that. Yeah, there's something in the Bible. Something about that, I, that book, you know, I think it has some errors. But <laughs> what? <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Maybe we're just understanding it wrong. What? Why does it have to be a competition? Really, it's like why does one? Why can they not both be beautiful? I don't understand the this construct of of like one needing to be better. I don't know. I don't know, Jamal. I don't think that really yeah. answers your question. Well, I mean, I, I think what you're touching on, Taylor, is, and this is, it's when you say you don't know why, you know, masculinity is good and, and the phrase like run like a girl and throw yeah. like a girl or whatever is, is an insult. Well, the but the reason why is because we live in a patriarchal society where men, um, you know, men run the companies and the businesses, men run the government. You know, we've, we're probably one of the only, the, the last, the very last uh, nation, you know, on the planet that has never had a female leader. Yeah. Um, you know, other, other nations have had female presidents and female and leaders and even yeah. have queens. Yeah. But America has never had, you know, uh, a female president and, and we don't even know if we ever will. But I, so, well, and women have tried to learn to be like a man to be successful. Right. And it really throws out all the beauty that women are, that our strengths, we have beautiful strengths that are not the same as men. But when we throw all that away and try to fit into their mold of being a man, I can see why then some women are like, well, why would I want to vote for a woman who's kind of thrown away all of her womanhood? Mm -hmm. Just throw away all the beauty that women actually have. I don't need to be the same as a man. I can be different than a man, but that doesn't mean I am not as equal or have as much value. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, and yeah. you know me, I, I'm not a big person uh, as far. I'm not a big proponent of politics anyway, <laughs> as a way of of solving the world's problems. Right. But at the same time, I think if we replaced every person in power in government with women, mm. we would be much better off. I mean that. That sounds nice. I think I think women make better decisions. I think they're um, they're I don't know. I, I just feel like the men the men who make who are in power. Um, I, I have lo- much less hope or faith in their uh, decision making abilities. Put it that way. Let's just say we've we've let men run it for a while. Let's give yes. women a try. I'm not that we're better, no. but let's just let's just, let's just be fair. Let's it, let's it couldn't be it their worse. way. Sure. Yeah. It couldn't be worse. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't fuck it up as bad as we have. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, T- Taylor, this has been so fun. Thank you for joining us and for um, being such. Well, for me personally, like you've you've become such a good friend to us, and especially to my daughter. Like you guys have hit it off, and Love it. Um, you guys are like my my second family down there in Orange County, and I. I personally can I it just take one second for a personal thing like I'm so glad that I that I uh decided to to join you in or asking you to publish one of my books and that you said yes um back a couple of years ago because it was like I mean I don't want to get into this like divine intervention thing but it was <laughs> it was like there was this like tug for me that yes I should do something with these people I don't know them yet yeah. and there was a reason behind that and you guys have become such good personal friends for me and my family that it's been such a blessing and yeah. uh, we're, I'm so thankful for you and Ralph um, yeah. from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Thank you. I, I will say Matt, last time you were down, 
And I was saying, you know, guys don't ever want to be my friend. There's always like an ulterior motive. And you're like, I want to be your friend. I was like, you know what? You're like one of the very few people I have actually truly felt friendship from. And as a married man, like I love your family. I love your daughter, your wife. Um, And I am very grateful for your friendship and that you've chosen us to be your publisher. Yeah, that means a lot. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if I can also say too, I think... um, I, I'm going to put in a little bit uh, of a plug as well for, for both you guys, and and I and and I am so glad that I that I decided to go with with you guys, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, I hope I publish every book from now until I'm dead with you guys because I really, I really love working with you guys. I love your vision. I love what you're doing, um, and yeah, I just love you. I love you as people. I think you're just great people. So thank you. Yeah. So thank you, Taylor. It's been an honor. Uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. So it's been fun. All right. So good. So good. Wow, that was uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that we got. Yes. That was. Yeah. Got to have Taylor on the show. Yeah. That was good. basically the genius behind choir. Yeah, we all know. We all know. Yeah. Heresy. <laughs> ah. Well, <laughs> speaking of heresy, um, I think we should introduce the topic, which is. Um, we're going to talk about side hugs today. Mm. Actually, actually, we're going to talk about modesty, side hugs, double standards in the purity culture. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys think of the purity culture? Well, okay. well, I have the here, here's a we, thought. Here's a thought. We we know oh, what Taylor boy. thinks. We absolutely know. <laughs> She's gone, right? She's not going to be. She okay? We, we can talk. Okay. <laughs> The, the, if there's been a book that has, I don't know, kicked off or launched the evangelical in modern era, in the modern era, the evangelical um, fascination with virginity and non-sexual activity and uh, the purity culture, I think it would probably be a book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye by Joshua Harris. And uh, that's an interesting book that really shaped a lot, millions of people's uh, in the Christian world's uh, understanding of um, the badness of sexuality or, or in, in it's, you know, in, and I, again, that's, I'm, I'm butchering the idea of the book, but that, that I would not agree with that. But I think that that's the, been the byproduct is that people have tried to um, silence their sexuality or shut it down in the name of, um, you know, really just thinking about their sexuality once they are married, as opposed to like, you know, really embracing sexuality or what that even means for yourself um, in light of whether you're at any point in time, whether, whether or not you're married or not. So um, this book is really interesting that I saw that there's a documentary coming out in which Joshua Harris, the author of that book, 20 years removed, you know, later is now uh, has some second thoughts and is like, he has come been confronted with a lot of the damage that, it, that that book has caused people um, to in the, in the in the name of like shaming their sexuality and shutting it down and all these unintended consequences that he obviously did not intend in writing that book, but he's been confronted with it. And I think it should be an interesting interesting documentary. Yeah. So um, yeah, and I also remember, but uh, it was during the time I think when I was a youth pastor. So it's been a long time ago. But um, you know, there was a big push also in a lot of churches for like girls um, making a vow. All right, to remain to, to not be sexually active. And then I think you even would buy like a promise ring or something. And this is for guys and girls, both, I think. You would ba- you basically would put on a ring and have some kind of a ceremony where you would make a vow to God that you would be sexually, you know, pure until marriage. You guys know what I'm talking about? You, you remember this? Mm-hmm. Like a pro- like a promise ring. Yeah, yeah. It was like a promise ring thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I heard that that also kind of backfired. 
that like like uh, I think I, in fact I should uh, I'm just riffing off the top of my head. I, I don't have any numbers. True love weights. True love weights. True love right? weights. That was it. That was it. True love weights. Thank you. And um, yeah, I think that I think I saw some kind of numbers on that like a decade after that whole thing was over, that like a large percentage of the women of the girls in there like got pregnant and had to get married and stuff like that. So it didn't work. It actually, it's one of those things where the more you tell someone not to think about something, that's the one thing that they're thinking about. Um, so it didn't work, you know, like don't, you know, to, to tell people what not to do didn't really work because you didn't really give them anything constructive to do instead of that. Yeah. Um, I, th- I, I'm glad that you actually said that because so as we mentioned in our last show, um, you know, Danielle Kingstrom and I are writing a book and, and in one of our chapters, we, we talk about, uh, it's a, ta- a chapter on sex. We, we actually talk about the purity culture and the shame it produces. And we actually start the chapter off by basically saying what you just said, Keith, and we didn't plan this, but, um, that when you tell someone not to do something, it just simply doesn't work. I mean, this is, this has been, sh- I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with, with I mean, if if our kid's going to touch the hot stove, like telling them not to, but what we've seen over time and over our our culture and history is that when we we think that like making something prohibited is is the end all be all towards like dictating a certain behavior, it just simply doesn't work. And and the second point, and as Taylor pointed out, is that specifically in in the christian subculture the purity culture which kicked off with like true love's weight or true love weights and focus on the family and and entities like this is that it focuses more on the the women or the girls than the men and and it just it creates what it's created and linda k klein has this book called pure it's a memoir of her like deconstruction out of the purity culture and the effect that it had on her sexuality and other folks' sexuality who were her friends. And as she started doing more research, more and more women that it basically just like shuts down their sexuality and they're told that, well, once you're married, it's going to be fine. And it's simply not because the, the whole uh, purity culture, the modesty culture, is so focused on women and shame that it just completely fucks up their natural God-given sexuality that that religion has taken yeah. away from them. And they and it's hard to get back once you're even married because it's not simply a switch that you can turn on, you can shed all those things, all that all that bullshit that you've been given for so many years. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's funny <laughs> keep ringing, ringing keep ringing bell, me up, Ralph. Gosh, bell. dang it. You know, you know what, what, what I think is really interesting is that, um, I, I know two different people. Uh, one of them is a younger guy. He's younger than me. And another one is a guy He's about my age. And, uh, I had conversations with them over coffee different times, um, where they both basically told me their story and, and there's very similar stories about how, um, you know, they were, sell- they, they were, they, they were pure in their dating and they really loved their wives. And then they got married and they were, you know, both Christians. And, but once they got married, their wives could not stop thinking of sex as something dirty and sinful. 
and something to just like, well, that's what you want to do. And, you know, that's just this urge that you can't control. And, and if we do have sex, then it's just like, let's hurry up and get it over with kind of a thing. And, and to the point where, um, one guy I talked to, his wife never wanted to have, I mean, they got married, they were young, young, a young couple and they get married and, and like even on their honeymoon, like they don't, they're not sexually intimate. And, and he, this goes on for months. Well, I think it went on for about two years uh, until he finally, and he said, you know, he loved her. He didn't want to divorce her, but it was just like, he couldn't, you know, it's like something's broken here. And then, and then they can, they just couldn't fix it. And the other one, um, the other guy who was my age, it was a coworker of mine. We were talking about it. And, um, and it, what it did for him because his wife never wanted to, and the crazy thing was they were, he was my age and they had, they had children. So it was basically, they only had sex, like, you know, a couple of times they had kids and then, but she never wanted to ever have sex together. And, uh, but to get to the point where, well, and very naturally, what else is going to happen? Right. Uh, she catches him watching, you know, looking at pornography. Well, why is he looking at pornography? Well, it's because he has a wife who will not be intimate with him and, and has a view of sex that it's dirty and evil and something, you know, disgusting. And so he was really stuck. He was like, well, what do I do? Like, I, I don't want to do this, but like, what else can I do? Um, and so in other words, I, I think the point is that for some marriages, um, we, people have done such a great job of indoctrinating people that sex is evil and dirty and shameful, uh, that it's hard to turn that switch off once you actually get married. Yeah. And, and I think that's, I think as men, that's our fault because this is what we have instilled in and this is i mean this is just my experience growing up in the church is that this is what i i mean i we, i had my own shame to deal with anytime i looked at porn or anytime i beat off as a kid or you know as a teenager and a young adult because that was that was dirty that was wrong but women have it way worse and and and, and it's coming from the teachings of a patriarchal christianity that uses the New Testament and some of the Old Testament, but uses the Bible to to spread this lie that somehow that sex is for men to enjoy is, and women is for you know sex for women mm -hmm. is to be yep. tolerated or some bullshit like that. And and we we as as you know men rule the church and rule the teachings of the church have have put this into the culture of the church and have, con this is the sick part, have convinced women that this is the truth. And, and then it's, and then, yeah, of course, yeah. Like some men experience horrible things in their marriage and some women experience horrible things. Like there's no right or wrong in that story you told like Keith, like, yeah, right. it's a horrible yeah. situation that, that is so tangled up in this religiosity that, that we've somehow convinced women that, that it's not it's 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 only not not okay to to like explore their bodies but it's like extra not okay like it's one thing for men to be in touch with their sex about because boys will be boys and some bullshit like that but we've convinced women that like their own bodies are even dirtier to explore and somehow that that is yeah. so disgusting to me like we like if you just said like men masturbating and women masturbating like in the church especially is that like we would see women masturbating as somehow like mm -hmm. dirtier 
than men or something like that. That's that's such fucking vile yep. bullshit that it, it it's like that's so it's so sad mm-hmm. that we've done that in the church. Yeah, you know, when it comes to this is a thing that I get into in coaching a lot and it's come it, it deals with like a shadow kind of a shadow side there all of us have like a shadow what has been termed like a shadow um or dark kind of element to our to our ego self or persona and a lot of those times those are created um when something is forbidden so and it, it, again sex is we're talking about sex so we can use that but this isn't just this doesn't just uh, apply to sex i mean anything we weren't allowed we as a child in our developmental years anything that we were not allowed to feel for some guys it's emotions you know um for some women it's different things but whatever we were ashamed for feeling uh for coming awake to either by a culture society or parents whatever that forms like a dark shadow uh which then creates a lot of problems obviously so i think what you see in the christian world is out of the fear of what could happen because there's a fear of sexuality, of sexual energy, of embracing our sexual being. Because of that fear, then what what happens is that um, there's a there's a reaction to. So there's that that fear is then okay. We're going to stifle it. We're going to put rules and we're going to limit sexuality. We're going to limit sexual expression. We're going to tell you what's good and bad and uh, how the genders can and can't relate and all those kind of things. And what that does is it just Anything you suppress, it grows in its strength and, and it also forms a dark shadow side. So I think what is needed, and again, if you go to like a sex therapist or somebody, a sex coach or whatever, all they, all they do at the essence of what they do is help you get in touch with your, with your own and get comfortable with what because every person knows what they need. If we're in touch with our body, whether it's mental health, physical health, spiritual health, we already know what we need. It's just about accessing that and getting in touch with that. So in order to do that, you have to stop demonizing it. And I, what I've seen in the Christian world is I've seen two things. I've seen the demonization of sexuality, which we call the purity culture. And then I've seen the reaction to that, which is, hey, let's just like, you know, let's just delve into the shadow, uh, the shadow self that was created from the demonization of sexuality, which also is very destructive. And I think what that does is it fuels the purity movement to say, see, this is what happens when we don't have rules and regulations on our sexuality. It it leads to, you know, a lot of destructive and unhealthy behavior, which is also true. So I, I'm, I'm just passionate about another way, a third way when it comes to sexuality. You're so Buddhist. You're so Buddhist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, like I'm just, a thir- there's a better way from restriction and then delving into the shadow self. I think the, the better way is to say, okay, let's not demonize it. Let's engage it, but, but let's move into the highest purpose for it. Um, and again, that's just, but again, the purity culture doesn't do that. It shames it and the delving, you know, not recognizing that there is a dark shadow to it. And there's a, there's a, there's a lack base to it and, and the twistedness of it. And then like, I think those two extremes seem to be reacting to each other. And I just think that there's a better way. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I know that Matt is usually the one who problematizes things, but I just would like to problematize um, this whole discussion about purity culture. If I could um, just let me, let me play some a devil's advocate here for a second. So what would you, what would you say? Like if a, if a, if a young woman, um, dresses provocatively and she goes out and then while she's walking around, um, you know, let's say specifically like a teenage girl. So a young girl 
and she, she dresses provocatively and she goes to a party where a bunch of teenage boys are at, you know, if those boys are all like hitting on her and, and, you know, trying to cop a feel or, uh, you know, whatever, just trying to like their, their, their acting again, boys will be boys kind of behavior. Again, not saying that that behavior would be acceptable, but would you, wouldn't you also say though, that if you dress to that girl, if she dresses provocatively, what she's doing is provoking a reaction. Now she may not want that reaction. She may not be expecting that or, or welcome that reaction, but isn't it on her that she is dressing in a provocative way. And should she be surprised if that provoking creates a response? Okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm just itching to answer your question. I know you're playing devil's advocate thank, thank, here with this you. question. I, 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 I know you're not, I know you're not victim shaming. So I know you're playing devil's advocate. You said that I want to reiterate <laughs> that for our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> because I love you. Um, <laughs> Like, of, of course, like if my daughter's like, if she's in a, like, if she's going to be in a situation, she's, she's, you know, she's going to be nine years old this year. She's getting to that age where, you know, she's going to be exploring, you know, uh, dating or, or being in places where I'm not in control as the, the father figure when you're, you know, your kid is young. Of course, I'm going to tell her about these things, that these are realities, but First and foremost is like no no amount of provocative dress or or thing things like that ever validates someone doing some bullshit where they're not getting permission they're not getting consent they're they're not um, uh, asking a girl or woman for their permission to to be touched for instance mm-hmm. like of uh, like that does not validate anything ever 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 <laughs> but of course but of course thank you, thank you for saying that. i w- of course in a pragmatic way i would say this is i would say to my daughter let's say if she's you know in a couple years when she's 12 13 14 and she's exploring going out you know with friends and she's gonna be in these situations where i don't know who the people are of course i would say this is the reality of the world some boys or some guys are complete assholes and you need to protect yourself in, in some way. So, you know, some people are going to see you. Some boys are going to see what you're wearing as an invitation. And although that's not right, although that's not correct, although that's not okay, that's the reality. And so then I would just maybe teach her jujitsu. If some (laughs) boy tries to start fucking touching her, like, here's how you Here's how you choke a motherfucker out real quick. Yeah, you yeah, what a, how to knee him in the crotch, right? Right. Here's how you get out of this situation in the least violent way and how, how you defeat this stupid ass <laughs> stupid ass kid who's trying to touch you. And you know, here's how you here's how you get out of this. I mean, so of course there's this balance of it's never okay to shame a, a woman or a girl right. who's wearing jogging shorts or those yoga pants that are tight or anything like that. That's never an okay thing. However, in a pragmatic way, yeah, if it's my daughter, I'm going to say this is the way the world is. It's not a pretty place all the time. And some assholes are going to do some shit because they see this as as an invitation. And although that's not okay, here's how you get out of that situation. Here's how to be smart. Here's how to protect yourself. You know, never, never, never feel shame for having to call me if, if you're in a situation like that. You know, you know what I mean? Like things like that. So there is that balance that, 
We often gravitate towards the victim shaming as the first conversation. Well, what did the woman do that provoked this? No, bullshit. Let's have the conversation about the asshole who's not getting consent. But of course, let's also have the conversation. Well, until there's no assholes in the world, <laughs> here's, how you, here's how you protect yourself. Like that's a, that's a valid conversation. Right. Also. And then for the record, I was playing devil's advocate and I... I no, I for the third time. I know, right? Well, but, but Keith, your your devil's advocate question. I think I think it is a good one um, uh, because I do believe that there is something that there are people who actually have that concern. So, for example, I'm a dad. Um, I have a, an adult daughter, um, and so you know, I remember when she was a teenager, and I you know I was coming from a very different perspective back then. Um, I can't you know was was a pastor and had uh, traditional evangelical Christian ideas about modesty and purity. And I came at it from that vantage point, but I, I did actually have a concern. And I think now I'm much more at peace with what that concern is. I mean, cause as a, as a, my, my daughter is a very beautiful woman and um, in her teenage years, I mean, she's, her body's developing and she's um, I, I feel like whatever, what I would want a girl to do, you know, if we're speaking about this context in your question, not just girls, anybody, but let's use girls as an example, because they're usually shamed. I, I, I agree with you, everything you said, Matt, I would not want nobody, everybody, first of all, first rule is everyone is responsible for their own actions. Yes, nobody absolutely. is, no one should feel responsible for the action of another. Um, but I think anything we do with consciousness is, is, is healthy. So it, it's only, we get into trouble when we do things unconsciously and we're not conscious as to why we're doing that. So I think what's, you know, the, our, our society teaches a lot of things about beauty um, that I feel like are unhealthy. Uh, a lot of teaches a lot of things about, you know, girls are, are taught to see themselves through a certain lens that um, is not helpful. And I would always ask, and I would, you know, if I were to do it over again with my daughter, if she was younger, I would, I would want her to be conscious as to why she's dressing the way she is, not in a way that's shameful, but like, how does it make you feel when you dress this way? Um, you know, and usually that's when you start to get to the root of things like, you know, does it make you feel wanted or beautiful? It, are you, does it help you like your body more? Does it, does it bring out who you feel like you are or whatever those things are and be conscious about that. And then if, if she's, you know, obviously if it's, if she becomes aware that she's it, the, the attention of, of boys, you know, in a sexual way is giving her a sense of self-worth. I think that's important for her to become aware of that and to say, okay, does your self-worth come from sexual attention from the outside of you? Right. And I think that to be, that would be unhealthy or destructive. So um, you know, again, I think that, uh, yeah. that's what I would want a girl to be aware of. Yeah. And, and I agree with all that, but there's these instances where like, like my, my daughter has been dancing for six years. She, she's a competitive dancer. She wears tight clothes all the time and she wears them to school because we take her literally the minute she gets out of school, she goes to the dance studio sometimes until seven thirty at night. And so the clothes that she wears as an eight year old some would consider provocative or or even sexual and 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 it's such bullshit that because in her mind as an 8-year-old in our mind as dance parents who like do 15 hours of of dealing with dance and we 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 travel all over California to take her to these competitions oh it's like 
it's so far removed from the actual reality that we're living in that for someone to see this as like yeah. provocative clothes, like like she just does it because that's what everyone does. And it's the most comfortable thing these girls can do because they can do all of the ridiculous moves that us as old men can't <laughs> yeah. do. <laughs> I mean, I call myself an old man as a 36 year old and I see my daughter doing these things. I'm like, and I'm an athlete. Like I grew up an athlete and I'm like, I can't do this stuff. Like, and so that's the clothing they wear because that's, that's just the culture. I mean, can you sexualize that? Yeah, I guess some people can, but it's like sometimes like women or girls or whatever you want to say, wear clothing that we sexualize when there's, it's not even on the right. radar. It's like, like some, some people I guarantee would look at even my daughter and her dance team and be like, oh, those girls are wearing sexualized things. And it's like, no, you're right. sexualizing it because it's not right. even on their radar. Like, it's just like, wait a minute. Yeah. To, to, to piggyback on what you said, Jamal, we're all responsible for the way we interpret things, the way we see things. We, we, can't, we can't project that onto someone else because, you know, it might be tight fitting or it might be um, not covering enough skin for us, but that's our own bullshit that we got to deal with. Like, if we see if we see every girl running down the street who's wearing tight tight pants as something sexual, that's our own bullshit. That's not their responsibility for yeah, us. You absolutely. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I, I guess just one last thing I would say is like I, I love this conversation. I'm glad we're having it and. Uh, one thing I just wanted to say is that uh, I, I feel the need to say is that if you are a young girl or e an older girl, I mean, maybe I think any woman anywhere, uh, there has been a time in your life where you have felt like um, maybe a guy crossed the line and you were probably made to feel like it was your fault or that you had, um, you had, you know, you had tempted them or you had provoked them or you had, you know, uh, you, you brought it upon yourself kind of a thing. I would just say that, that is bullshit. And I think that's, it's sad that we live in a world where we make girls, we make women feel this way um, when they just want to be people, right? Well, it's like, it's sad that we live in a world where women aren't allowed to just be who they are uh, without feeling guilty and shamed and um, sexualized and all, and all of that. And, and it really is a male problem. Like it's our problem. We, we, we've created this problem. We've created right. this, the, these conditions and we've actually expected women to, and all of society and all of our culture to basically play by these rules because it's what makes us feel better or what, what it makes it easier for us because uh, it's really, you know, ultimately it's all about us. And it's just really, that selfishness is destructive. And uh, it would be a beautiful thing if we could reach a point where we could get over that and get beyond that and just see people as people. All right. Yeah, I love that. This has been fun. I'm really loving this sex series, man. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs>